This is No Love Live with Pastor Tim Warholic. Tim is the senior pastor of Paradise Calvary Chapel in Las Vegas, Nevada. If anybody needs a Bible, please raise your hand so we can get you a Bible. We're in 1 Peter this morning. I'm super excited, like I was last week as well, about the word that the Lord has for us today. This is very encouraging. We're going to continue through this series that we've been that we started and we've been going through in 1 Peter called Glorious Expectation. And I shared with you that, you know, the, the word hope in the Bible can also be translated into expectation. But in the English language, hope and expectation have two real different connotations. When I say to you that you should hope for something, what do you naturally think? You think that it may or may not happen, probably. That's what hoping is. It's hoping something, but it may or may not happen, but you hope it does. But when I say to you that you should expect something, what do you think? You think it's going to happen. You think it's for sure. And we need to stop thinking about God's promises to us in the context of the English language, hope it may or may not happen. And we need to start thinking in the context of an expectation for God to do those things. You know why? Because all his promises are yes and He's going to do it. There's not a maybe, maybe not. God loves you. He's going to bless you and encourage you, especially if you're submitted to his will and his plan rather than your own. So this series, Glorious Expectation, is a, is a hope in God for what he's promised to us. Our first study, the first three studies were about you know, highlighting this hope. The first study was a living hope, 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Number two, last week, a glorious expectation and a resting hope. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God wants you to have a a settled hope, a resting hope, not an anxious hope, not an anxious expectation that's contrary to his heart for you. He wants you to have a, a confident, resting hope in him, as we saw. And then this morning, kind of the verse that brought this whole series together is a glorious hope, is the title of today's message. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21. He indeed has foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you through him, believe. Uh, For you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. What did he give him? Glory. That your faith and your hope, expectation would be in God. He wants you to have a glorious hope. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we jump into verse 17. 
Father God, we thank you for today and that we can get recharged and ready, be prepared, address things in our hearts for this week. We're, we're thankful that we can gather together on the first day of each week and take inventory of, of our lives, of our hearts. We want to be shown, we want them to be shown as ready, clean, useful for every good work. Because you, your Holy Spirit, dwells within us and we want the world to see who you are. Thank you for this encouraging word to us today, Lord. Thank you for that beautiful time of worship and the talented people that you've given us to lead us in worship and the, with the fruit of our lips. Thank you, God, for your word that is everlasting, endures forever. We worship you through the studying and application of your word. We thank you for taking care of us, God. You tell us not to worry about tomorrow, and, and you care for us on a daily basis. So we pray that you would bless the tithes and offerings that are made to you today, that it would be as a form of worship towards you, grateful for all that you have done in our lives and give you back just a little piece of all the blessings you've given to us. We pray that you would bless your word for it is blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter chapter 17. Peter's going to be talking about these people who, as you might remember last week, were being severely persecuted. Severely persecuted. They're being driven out. And I'll be honest with you guys, okay, because I'm kind of usually honest. I, this is not my kind of Bible study, right? It's just not my approach. I'm kind of like a disciplinarian. <laughs> I like to smack people across the head and say, wake up! Get it together, man! Stop sinning! Do this! Do that! I'm very practical in that sense. The Bible has many verses that I can preach from to remind people of how filthy they are, and I enjoy that very much. But this is a different kind of study. This is a kind of study that maybe um, not only do I need to hear, but obviously many people need to hear. And it's from God's word. And it's to a people who are being severely persecuted and really beat down. And they just need to be, you know, lifted up a little bit. They don't need to be beat down anymore. They need to be reminded of who they are and encouraged in who they are to keep going, you know. It's, it's not like the coach that's screaming at their team that they're losers. It's, it's the coach yelling at their team that, that, that it's okay and they can do better and they can keep going. And, and as much as sometimes I need to hear this message, I know that you need to and, and our society as a whole needs to. I shared with you not too long ago, do you know what the number one cause of death in the United States is right now? Suicide. How, how tragic is that? We have videos that are being inserted into kids' YouTube about how to slit your wrists. True story. We have people who are beating down on society when sometimes we just need to 
reconsider who we are as being made in God's image. And this is exactly what Peter does for these believers who are in a difficult situation. We have three points I want you to follow along this morning. So in the calendars in your seat backs, in fact, we have our new calendars for March listing all of our events. On the back side, there's a space for notes. Our three points this morning, point number one is a V, point number two is I, point number three is P, V-I-P, because that's who God sees you as. I know it's corny, but it's, it's true. God sees you as a very important person. And through our text this morning, we're going to see three words that represent why God sees you that way. And for you to take heart, to take courage, to not be downcast, oh my soul, but to hope in God, to expect in him, for you shall yet praise him. Verse 17 and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Now here's a few things that we need to highlight in this first verse. This is V. And the first thing is that we need to understand that we're going to be held accountable. Even when we shrink back, we're not of those who shrink back. We're those who press forward. And he says, conduct yourselves throughout your time of your stay here in, in fear, in an understanding that God is righteous and he judges righteously. Now look at the keys, verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. I love how he says worthless things in conjunction to or with silver and gold. <laughs> Those are the things that have value here, right? I, I, I tried an experiment just for the sake of the Bible study, and I went to Walmart, and I had a rock in my pocket, and I had a cart full of goodies, and I went to pay to, to cash to the cashier to pay for my, my goods. And when it was time for me to present my method of payment, I gave her a rock. And she looked at me and, and said, what, what is this for? And I said, it's for all the things that I got, right? Because that's, that's a thing. That's fine. Do you want something else? You can have my shirt or you, this is a nice shirt, by the way, isn't it? It's flamingos. You can have a lock of my hair. I don't want your nasty hair. I want something with value. The point is, something that is purchased has to have equal or greater value than the thing that's being purchased. Number one, value. God values you to the degree that he was willing to pay for you with the most valuable thing that was ever in existence more valuable than gold, more valuable than silver. God sees his imprinted image on you and he says, this is necessary for me to redeem this person so I will use something of greater value to purchase something that I see and have value in. Sometimes we can get down on ourselves 
It can be difficult, and we can say, I'm not worth anything, and we hear that voice in our head, I'm nobody, I'm good for nothing. That is not the voice of the Holy Spirit. That is the voice of him who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. That is the enemy's voice, and God's voice is, I have value in you to the degree that I would pay for you by my son's own life. In fact, that is the next verse, isn't it? Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, blemish and without spot. I get it. You know, sometimes we can be like the we're kings and queens and diamonds and can be a bit much for me too. But the reality is that God does see value in you. And that is something that you can press into him because it's not the value that you have estimated yourself. It's not what you have done or have accomplished. It's who God is and what he has done and accomplished for you. You have value. Notice also from your aimless conduct received by tradition of your fathers. He's not highlighting who they are as a people. He's not highlighting their accomplishments. He's not highlighting what he's done. He's downplaying those things and saying those things are worthless. And God values you, so he bought you with the most precious thing that the world has ever seen. But the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Matthew chapter 10 verses 30 and 31 says, But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know the hairs greater or lesser? How many of you know the number of hairs on your head? When's the last time you took the time to sit down and count or have somebody else count how many hairs are on your head? You say never. It takes forever. God values you to the degree that he has counted the number of hairs, plus or minus, as each day goes by, on your head. That's how precious you are to him. He says, you are so precious to me that I've taken the time, even if it's a nanosecond, I've taken the time to count the number of hairs on your head because you may see your hair as worthless, but I see you as worth something. So you come as a complete package and I know everything about you, even the hairs on your head. Continuing on in that verse, the very hairs of your head are all numbers. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many sparrows. Say with me, value. You are of more value than one sparrow? Nope. You are more value than two sparrows? No, you are more value than many sparrows. And there's something to be said if you're in, in the outdoors and you're taking a hike or something and you see a flock of birds and they look like a cloud and they're all sticking together. You say, wow, that's cool. Look at all those birds. God says, you have more value than all of those birds put together value? Maybe it's something that we don't talk about too frequently in the church today. Maybe some churches only talk about that, but the reality is we need to think about it and meditate on it again from time to time because God's word says that you have value. Moving on to 
Our second point, I, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. For who? For who? Isn't that, those, those two words really struck me as I was preparing for this study. Church, with me, say for you. He was foreknown, foreordained, forepurposed for you. Do you see how point number two is I, do you see how intentionally God has loved you? Intentionally. So intentionally has God loved you that he says, these are going to be the people. This is what they're going to do. I know it. So I am going to determine beforehand to send my son to pay the price for their sin. If that doesn't blow your mind, then I don't know what would or what does. I don't want to get overly theological for you, but some of you may be asking this question. If God foreknew that I was going to mess up, so he foredestined his son to come and die for my sins, then why did God create us at all? Why go through all this? Is it a question of God's sovereignty? What, what is the, the, the necessity of my responsibility? Many people have asked this question, and, and I believe that this is the key to the gospel, okay? I didn't marry a robot, to do the the housework and the chores and the dishes. I married a person. And the important thing about a, a relationship is the ability to choose to love somebody. And that's exactly why God gave us the option, the opportunity to reciprocate back the love that he's shown us back to him. It demonstrates, right, relationship. God doesn't want robots. I I don't have an intimate, affectionate relationship with the ATM machine, even though it gives me money. You know, put your card in, put your pin in, give me a hundred. Oh, ATM machine, thank you so much for a hundred dollars. I love you so much. You know, you were so good to me. No, I pushed its buttons and God does not push your buttons to get what he wants from you. God gives you the opportunity, the responsibility of free will to respond to his love. And that's really what it is. It's a response to his love. He he foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Gave him glory that your hope, your faith and your hope are in God. That's a glorious hope. It's a glorious expectation. How intentional is that? Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, here Peter turns the tables and he says, if God so intentionally loved you, say, God loves me, 
If God so intentionally loves you that he foreordained the process to happen to purchase you back to himself, if he so intentionally does, then he wants you also to intentionally love others. Because love is not passive, love is active. You can't passively love somebody. Can I get a spouse's witness? <laughs> you better actively be loving your spouse. You better actively be loving people because that's what the definition of love is. It's action. And he's calling them out. He's saying, if God so intentionally loved you, what's your responsibility? You need to go intentionally love each other. Obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. And then he qualifies the love. He says, not passively loving people. He says, you fervently love people. You fervently love each other, right? With an evil heart, with bad intentions. No, he, with a pure heart. He's got to qualify it. Hey, don't have the, the wrong heart in your actions toward each other. Don't have wrong intentions in loving each other. Out of a pure heart, fervently love each other, intentionally, because God intentionally loved you, and he said, you will know them by their love for one another. Do you love each other? Start to love more intentionally. I have to point this out. I skipped over at first service because we ran out of time, but um, let's read these, these couple verses again, 21 and 22. Who through him believed, believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God since you have been purified, your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Now, as a, as a, a Bible student, as I read the text, there's key words that pop out at me. And I, and I kind of put them together and see, you know, a, a picture being painted. And this, these two verses paint a picture for me. Something's brought out to us by them. You'll note three words that have significant meaning. Did anybody see what those three words were? Let's put them on the screen. So that your faith and hope are in God, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. What is he saying? He wants your intentionality to look like faith, hope, and love. That's what we as believers should be demonstrating through our lives on a regular basis. Faith, hope, expectation, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Love each other. There's no, you know, there's no other way to more bless others than intentionally loving them. And I'll ask you a question. You're not just called to love those who you love, but those who hate you as well. That can be difficult. When is the last time, think about it just for a second, when is the last time that you have intentionally loved somebody? Intentionally loved somebody. Maybe that's a call or something that God wants to do through your life this week. Be practicing, having been born again, 
not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Do you know one of the ways that God intentionally has loved you is he has given you his word. That's something else. You don't take it lightly when you're in a conversation with somebody and you say to them, I give you my word. You don't take that lightly. You better not because that's serious business. He gave you his word. Say it with me. He gave you his word. Good good job, guys. He gave you his word. that he loves you, that he's going to care for you, not just now, but for all of eternity. He's gone away to prepare a place for you. You are eternal, and he has purchased you with the precious blood of his son. He has given you his word. And I think it's incredible that we are going to be in heaven with God right? And everything is going to be gone. Heaven and earth is going to pass away and you're not going to have anything that you had here, but there's one thing that you will have. We're going to sit around in a circle with Jesus and we're going to open the Bible because his word never fails and it will be with us for, can you imagine having a Bible study in first Peter chapter one and two with Jesus, with, with Peter, Hey, Peter, I've got no use since we've been up here, and this was definitely the Holy Spirit speaking, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, bro, turn it down a little bit. His word endures forever, and we're going to have it forever. It's a gift to us, and it's one of the ways that he has intentionally shown us his love. Amen? Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, lying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Peter, my man, he's a practical guy, right? I'm a practical guy. I want to... Boil down what needs to be done so that we can do it, right? Peter says, if you want to learn how to be intentional, look at these things in your life. Lay aside all malice. That's practical. He says, if you want to intentionally love people, don't have malice. You want to be intentional? Lay aside hypocrisy. It's kind of easy to be a hypocrite, isn't it? Man. Instagram drives me nuts. This is full of hypocrites. People saying, this is my life. It's amazing. By the way, if any of you guys follow me on Instagram, those Philly cheesesteaks last night were legit good. There was absolutely zero hypocrisy in that post. Zero. You want to intentionally love people? Lay aside hypocrisy. Don't act like you're somebody that you're not. Lay aside envy and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. 
Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Crave, desire, intentionally, the pureness of God's word. For by it, you will grow. You'll grow. You know, one of the most beautiful things to see is a a newborn babe at its mother's breast. It, It craves, right after coming out, it craves the pureness of the milk. And we as God's children need to earnestly seek the pure milk of God's word so that we may grow if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we want it? Verse 4, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore it is contained in the scripture, behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious. Coming, to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also as living stones are being built up into a spiritual house, which brings us to our third point, V-I-P. If you don't know what the P is, this is the practical part of the message. Message: It is purpose. Precious as well. You know, there's something precious in his purpose. But it's... God in his plan is very intentional towards you, but he's also very purposeful towards you. He has a reason that things are happening and it's to fit you and form you as a living stone into the building project of being built up into a spiritual house. This kind of goes against the grain of our American Christianity that we're so individualistic on my appetites, my tastes, and my types of churches. This gives us a picture of the church as a whole, not as a stone off by itself or a pile of stones, but as put together and built up. You know, we just finished Revelation on Sunday night. And I love how it says the new Jerusalem is going to be built and there's going to have 12 gates representing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of the church is represented as what in this new Jerusalem? The 12 foundations. The 12 apostles are the 12 foundations of the new Jerusalem and the 12 gates are represented of the 12 tribes of Israel. And you see this building project that God is doing and he's fitting you together. Why do you think the Bible talks so much about us being together? Because he wants us to be together. And I talk to people who say, I don't need to go to church. Church is for losers. That's why you need to go to church because you're a loser. That's why I go to church. You need to be part of the building. You need to be built up. You're a living stone. You have value in that building project that God is doing. He needs you to fit in that place. 
You are more valuable than a sparrow, than two sparrows, than a multitude of many sparrows. Here's the thing. I like birds more than I like people. Because birds are easy, you know. People, people say that birds are dirty. They are, but people are more dirty than birds. But God sees you as more special and he's been intentional and purposeful in placing you, putting you in, building you up into this spiritual house as a living stone, a holy priesthood. You guys know what priesthood is, right? Priests are people who go uh, to God on behalf of the people. Jeremiah 31, 31 says that, that there's going to be a new covenant and, and the, the, the people are going to be God's and, and he is going to be theirs. He's going to replace our hearts of stone with a heart of flesh and he will be our God. There's no separation between us and God any longer. God says, I've purchased you. You are valuable to me. I love you. I did it intentionally. This is my purpose for you, that we could have communion, you as a holy priesthood, and you could lead other people into that communion as well. I don't go tell people that I've got a direct access to God and to come talk to me if they want to find anything out that God wants them to know. I tell people that they can have a relationship with God just like I have and that it's more important for them to see God than it is for me to see God for them. A royal priesthood, we're going to see in a minute, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Can you say with me, spiritual sacrifices? sacrifices. Do you guys know what a spiritual sacrifice is? Before there were... uh, in the flesh sacrifices where you would sacrifice an animal. But now, since we've been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb, the precious blood, now we offer sacrifices to God, not for something that that we need to gain favor with him, but as an act of service. You pray, you read your Bible, you love one another, you exercise the fruit of the Spirit and bear fruit of the Spirit, which I would say falls into the category of spiritual sacrifices. You do things now because of your relationship with God that you wouldn't have done before you knew Him. Amen? I do. Every day I act differently and I see those things as... as spiritual sacrifices, not because I have to, because I so desperately want to repay, show back a little bit of my intentional love towards him that he showed to me. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. As much as there's us who have accepted, there are those who have rejected. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Say, he's precious. Is Jesus precious? Man, Jesus is precious. How valuable he is. And he was the one that paid the price for you and for I. 
Charles Spurgeon, if any of you are familiar with him, his first message that he publicly preached was on 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, and he talked about the preciousness of Jesus. He was 16 years old, and he said all that he could think about was how precious Jesus was to him. Is that incredible? the preciousness of Jesus Christ. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. These are those who have rejected the cornerstone. And as much as God wants to show up in people's lives, whether it's the Jews or people today, as much as God wants to show up in people's lives, there's a rejection of him. There's disobedience. They stumble. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, You are a chosen generation. Amen? God loves you so much that he chose you, but he still wants you to exercise your human responsibility of free will back to him. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, not just a priesthood, but a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know, a holy nation is a different kind of nation a different kind of kingdom, God's kingdom. And here on earth, we want to fly our flag, right? We got our flag up and it's flying. It's got a snake on it and it says, don't tread on me. Because we're identifying so much with this kingdom that we're not recognizing our citizenship, more importantly, is in heaven and you have been called as a holy nation, to be a special people, the next one. Now, I know maybe that would make you a little uncomfortable, and I understand that. I enjoy being a citizen of this country. I love this country. But if the kingdom of God isn't first and foremost in my life, I'm not going to be fighting for my rights. I'm not going to be fighting for my own personal rights that I can or cannot do certain things correctly if the kingdom of God isn't first in my life. There's a place for it, but the kingdom of God has to be number one. Our citizenship is in heaven, and that should influence the things, the decisions, and what we fight for here on the earth, for his kingdom, not for our own benefit. A holy nation, his own special people. You guys know you're special? (laughs) Say, I'm special. Yeah, you are. (laughs) You're his special people set aside that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Amen? You're a special people who he has set aside that you would proclaim the praises of him who called you. When is the last time you uh, proclaimed the praises of him who called you? You feel like about 45 minutes ago, you know, when we were praising. That's, That's good. Now, weekly challenge, 
When you go out this week, God has set you aside to be a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and his special people to proclaim his praises. Proclaim some of his praises to somebody this week. Say, man, God is good. People are like, why? Everything's so hard and we're all going to die soon because the world's coming to an end. It's like, no, God is good. He separated us. We're different. They say, yeah, you are. But then you share with them what those praises look like and why he's worthy to be praised, that, that he's called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy, who were once not his people, but now are his people. Testify. Amen. Who were once not his people, but now are. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Looking at our three points in closing really quickly, let's think about this one more time. You are VIPs. You have value. Don't listen to the enemy if you're struggling with depression or you're, the accuser of the brother is, brethren is accusing you. He seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. God says you have worth. That is why I purchased you with something that is the, the most precious thing on the earth, Jesus' blood. Number two, God is intentional, so we need to be intentional. Be intentional like he is. Love one another intentionally. And love those who don't love you intentionally. It's necessary. They'll know you by your love. And then third, recognize your purpose. God is building a spiritual house. And he has you as a part of that house. That's his purpose in your life, to be part of the house of God. And how can you fulfill your purpose to a greater degree by recognizing that he has called you to that position? Because you are valuable, he's been intentional in his love towards you, and he does have a purpose. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us today that you do greatly love us, that you have so intentionally pursued us and purchased us, and that your plan and purpose through the precious blood of your son Jesus is going to come to fruition in our lives. Your purpose for us, your desire. We ask, Lord, that we would be as intentional this week toward loving one another and loving others as you were toward us. I pray that you bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen.